That is uh, the best way I can explain it is this. Um, I know that you don't, you, don't prob- you don't probably know this because he's pretty quiet about it, but um, Armando, who uh, plays the drums most Sundays, he's not here today, but he, uh, you, know, you, you know Armando, the crazy Peruvian back on the drums there. But um, Armando is a president of, about, of an association of churches that has about 400 churches in the association. Uh, and they're founded in Lima, Peru. That's kind of their home base. But uh, this association of churches is worldwide. And so um, any Sunday, typically, that Armando's not here, it's because he's visiting one of the churches in the association, whether it be Italy, Australia, Spain, Portugal. I mean, he's around the world. And um, this, is a, uh, this conference is in Lima, um, and it's at the home church, which is Armando's home church. Um, and um, they're bringing, it's like their annual conference. And so they're bringing in all the pastors and wives from around the world from this association for their conference. And Armando has assembled this team. Uh, he's, he's asking for it, but it's, uh, he's put together, uh, I mean, like he has uh, a bunch of us white people coming to play music and, um, and uh, speak. And um, he has my, my wife, Karis, is going to be leading the worship team. You can really pray for her. She's very nervous about it. She feels very, um, very unqualified. And, uh, but he's got like a 19, I mean, there's like 19 people in this band, like brass and, you know, the whole nine, the whole shebang. And supposed to all be in Spanish, and she's got to lead it. So she's pretty nervous about that. And um, just be praying. And then there's a women's conference as well. And it's going to be a very, very full week and trusting God. And one of the words that the Lord keeps giving to me as I pray is um, that it is a destiny and that there's a destiny here. And I do believe that um, what God is doing here in Manchester is something that God wants to do in Lima, Peru. So in Lima, you have uh, some very large churches, large, many thousands of people. Um, uh, God, in the late 70s, early 80s, did an incredible move, a revival called Encuentros de Dios, Encounter with God in Lima. And uh, just tens of thousands of people came to Christ. Amazing, amazing thing. So we have these huge churches in Lima. But they don't get along so well. And uh, the body of Christ is kind of divided. And you have these pastors that don't really talk much. And so, you know, you know that's kind of my thing. You know, that's my heart. Uh, I've been working on that for 20 years here, bringing pastors and churches together. So I kind of think that what God is doing here is just something that he's going to take and deliver it there. And so... Would you be praying with me for that? Um, because I, I really believe that, uh, that the devil's not scared of a big church, but he is scared of a unified church. He shakes. He stays. That keeps him up at night. And uh, so we want to bring a unified church to Lima. Amen. Can you pray with me for that? And uh, that's what that is. So, um, so it's going to be an exciting time. 
So this morning is uh, baptism, and to set us up for that, I wanted to talk about what baptism means. And um, so not just necessarily how to do baptism, we know that, but, but like, what does it mean? Why? What is happening when somebody goes under the water and then they come up again, right? And, uh, and I love it. Thanks, I, thanks Aaron, for playing. I, I, I like this. This is kind of nice, so keep playing. This is, it fills in the gaps when I stutter. So I appreciate that. Um, what, 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 what does it mean when we, when we put somebody under the water and we bring them back up again? What is that? And so I want to talk about that today briefly before we celebrate their baptism. You know, um, 29 years ago today, October 1st, 1988, my wife and I got married. Today's our anniversary. And uh, yeah... It's a, and um, she hasn't killed me yet, which is amazing, because I deserved it a few times. Um, and I wish she was here today to celebrate. She's sick, you know, so our vows in sickness and in health, they, they apply today. <laughs> Poor girl. Uh, but, you know, 29 years ago, that changed my life. There, there were things that I that I used to do before that that I can't that I just can't do anymore, shouldn't do anymore, wouldn't do anymore, right? And uh, my life has been forever marked by Karis and by that union between the two of us. It's a forever changed life, right? And um, and actually, the 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 strength of our marriage, the strength of our marriage, it. It really uh, is uh, connected to how much we're both willing to change for the two to become one. You see that? Does that make sense? And, and, and uh, you know, I can never go back. The old, the old, the, the single Doug, if you will, the single Doug is dead. For all intensive purposes, he's dead. And there's a new life here that's being developed and being built. Right? This married life. And that's, that's a picture, the Bible says, that's a picture of the life that Jesus wants to have with us. Marriage is literally a picture of the, of the relationship that Jesus desires to have with us. That we say, I do, to Jesus. Right? We do. We say, I do. We, we make a vow to Jesus and we say I'm yours Jesus I'm I'm in I'm yours and that vow changes us forever changes us and the strength and the 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 beauty of our relationship with Jesus it really does it really is connected to how much we're willing to change how much we're willing to let go of that old before Christ life let it go cuz it's just not who I am anymore, and I now have this new life, this new, this new relationship, this whole new, this whole new life that's being developed, right? And it's and it's in Christ, the Bible says. And and it's beautiful. Jesus said this: He said, Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. 
Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, Jesus doesn't ask us to invite him into our lives. Do you get that? We don't invite him into my life. He's actually inviting me into his. His is the bigger life. And, and he he's tells us to abandon our life and join his. Jesus is not looking to build up a fan club with a few fickle crowds that are hot and cold. No, he's looking for a people who are willing to give up everything to follow him and his promise. And his promise is that if you do, that you will know what really living is all about. That's the promise that Jesus makes. You, you let go of that, you join with me, and I'll tell you what, you will experience life like you've never experienced before. And the reason why we don't experience that life that Jesus promises us, the reason why the abundant life just seems to elude us so often is frankly because we're still trying to play both. You can't play both. I, it's, it's, it's the same as me getting married and then I'm still dating other girls and I'm still, you know, it's like, and I can't do both. When I said I do... I literally died to one way of life and I've picked up a new. And that's what Jesus is saying. You've got to take up your cross and follow me. You you can't just find your life. You've got to lose that and then you'll find it. So the less of me there is, the more life there is for me to experience, right? And so the, the, the truest expression of my love for Jesus is my, is my obedience to him. It's my, it's my dying of myself, letting go of that in favor of him. And the more that I can do that, the more life I experience. One of my favorite authors, uh, I, would, I always recommend him. His name is Roy Hessian. He wrote a little book, a little life-changing book called The Calvary Road. You want to rock your world, read The Calvary Road. It's a little, little book, about 100 pages thick. And um, he says this, the only victory that's worth anything is the conquest of self. The only victory that's worth anything is the conquest of self. It'll take the rest of my life to conquer it. The rest of my life to let that old one go and pick up the new. Yeah, being a Christian is like, I, I kind of say it this way in a lighter way. Being a Christian in this world is a lot like getting a drink out of a water hose. The water's good, but you taste the hose, right? And some Christians are more hosey than others. True? And it's like, the water's really good. The water is nice and clean and crisp and great and refreshing, but the hose is kind of there. And really part of the goal of the Christian life is less and less hosey. Less and less hose. Until, until there's no hose, until all you have is the water, right? That's really the goal of it. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. So Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, uh, he said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. 
you notice that this verse is in the past tense? That Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's a done, it already happened. In the sense that when I said I do, I I did, I, right? That was a moment in time, it took place. And that moment in time then changes everything after it. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. And now everything after that, he says, the life I live now really isn't even me. I no longer live. It's actually Jesus living in me. So in other words, Paul's saying, look, there's no, there's no more hose even. The hose is gone. All you get's Jesus when you see the Apostle Paul. All you get's Jesus. And you notice he's saying that in past tense. He's not saying, this is what I'm trying to do. But this is actually what it is. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says, I, you don't, I don't even boast about anything else except Jesus. So Paul is all Jesus all day, right? What do you want to talk about? Jesus. Who do you want to serve? Jesus. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where does Jesus want me to go? What do you want to say? What's Jesus want me to say? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Paul was the biggest Jesus freak ever. And he loved it and made no apologies for it. I boast in nothing else except the cross of Christ because that's where, that's where everything happens for me. And then he goes, I love this, through which the world has been crucified. So I'm dead. To, I'm dead. The world is dead to me and I'm dead to the world. So that's a mutual thing. Like, I'm not into the world anymore, and guess what? They're liking me less and less, too, so it's perfect. We agree. You know what happened? Paul says, my taste buds are changing. They've changed. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I hated picnics. I mean, I loved picnics, but the one thing I hated about picnics was coleslaw. And my mom always made coleslaw for picnics because she still believes that you have to have, It's not a picnic without coleslaw, Right? And I grew up in a day, I grew up with parents that, you know, actually made me eat stuff. You know, some of you probably remember parents like that too. They actually made you eat stuff, right? So I, so I, I always had to, I had to have it. You got to try it. Maybe, maybe, you'll like it this time. I never liked it. you like it again. I, I didn't like it the other times. I'm going to like it. So my mom kept shoving this coleslaw down my throat. And I have a little taste, you know. And I was like, I love summers, I love picnics, but can I do it without the coleslaw? That was all I was asking for. But you know what? I actually like coleslaw now. You know, it's, it's not that bad, actually. And I mean, I don't go crazy over it, you understand? I don't wake up craving coleslaw. But you know what? It's not half bad. Next to my cheeseburger and my corn on the cob, I like a little dab of coleslaw now. You know what happened? My taste buds changed. I didn't used to like it, but I like it now. And Paul says that the world, I've been crucified, the world's been crucified to me, and I am dead to the world. My taste buds have changed. Spiritually, I want my taste buds to change. The stuff that I used to like, eh, not into it as much anymore. 
And, and the stuff that, you know, the stuff of God that I used to find boring, well, man, that, that gets me up in the morning now. My taste buds are changing. And it's amazing how that happens. The, the Lord begins to give you a, a, a desire and a thirst and a hunger for Him, you know? And this became the Apostle Paul's one consuming passion. In Philippians chapter 3, look at what he says there. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know it. And I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and becoming just like him in his death. That's what I want. And and I want to somehow attain the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to know Jesus and I want to know his power. And if knowing Jesus and knowing his power means that I also have to know his sufferings, so be it. As long as I have Jesus, I want I want the whole package. I don't just want, you know, I don't just want the the fluffy Jesus. Like I want the whole thing. I want I want all of it. I want to know Jesus for who he is and I want his power, I want his resurrection, I want to share sufferings with him, I want to, I want to be like this. Not just the butterflies and the cupcakes, but I want the painful stuff too. Not just the powerful stuff, but the hurtful stuff. I want to know Jesus and I'm even willing to suffer with him if I have to. I just want Jesus. Listen, you can't experience the power of his resurrection without also experiencing the pain of his crucifixion. Whatever it takes, I want to know Christ. How does that happen? How how can I share in the crucifixion of Jesus? That's what Paul said, right? I've been crucified. How's that happen? Because you and I physically can't go back 2,000 years ago and, you know, pin ourselves to a cross. And we can't do that physically, can we? So how do I get crucified with Christ so that I can live with him in resurrection power? The answer is in Romans chapter 6. And uh, I should have given you a warning. I'm sorry. Romans chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can open there with me. Romans chapter 6. I just want to read through this quickly. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Right? So... The, the Romans were thinking that, hey, grace is so good. If every time I sin, I get grace. So why not just keep sinning so I get more grace? And Paul says, that's a dumb idea. By no means. He goes, we are those who have died to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? See, I've died to it. Sin isn't even a part of who I am anymore. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a whole new life. See that? So I can't go back physically and get nailed to a cross? No. But Jesus has given me this gift called baptism. It's a prophetic act where I go down under that water and I identify with the death of Jesus. I'm dead with Jesus and my old me is buried. It's gone. And then I come up out of that water, a new man. It's a new life. 
And just as he says, you've been buried with Christ, now I'm risen with Christ, and I, and I share in that power. That's the Christ life, right? So now the old me is not even an issue anymore. I got a whole new life. So listen, when you sin, you're kind of playing with the old you. Because the Bible says that you are a completely new creation in Christ. You're a whole new being. So let me, let me illustrate how that works. I can illustrate it from my own life. And I'll just be vulnerable with you for a minute. So one of the things that I've been struggling with a lot lately has been jealousy. There's a particular guy, in fact, that I'm jealous of. I won't tell you his name, but there's, a, there's an acquaintance of mine. He's a, he, gets, he gets at, he, you know, he's written a couple of books, and, and, he, and he gets asked to speak at all these cool conferences, and uh, all, the, all the big wigs in our denomination just think he's the best, and, um, you know, and I get jealous of that. I envy that. I want that. Okay, And uh, so that jealousy, think about this now. That's not Jesus. Jesus isn't jealous like that, right? So that's the old me because the new me is Jesus, right? So that's the old me that's jealous. Following? So here's how this plays out for me. Literally, I mean, literally, I'm mowing my lawn. And I kid you not, mowing my lawn. And here comes the thought. Well, yeah, he does this, and he gets that, and oh, yeah, well, boy. And then here's my reaction to that. My reaction is, oh, Doug, you're such a loser. What a, man, see, if you were this, if you were a better of this, if you were a better that, well, then you would have that. You know how it goes. All this while mowing the lawn. You follow, right? It all happens simultaneously. So here's what, you, so here's what I do. The Bible says I take every thought captive and I make it obedient to Christ. And the Bible says that I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. This battle is between my ears. And it's a spiritual battle. So I recognize, first of all, where it comes from. Jealousy, that's my dead me. That's the old me. That's been buried. That's not even the new me anymore. That's dead. So, first of all, I recognize that. I remind myself of that. Secondly, I say, wait a second. That is not my thought. That's the devil's thought. That's because I have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. So that's not Jesus thinking that jealous thought. That's me. That's my dead me thinking that jealous thought. You see, you got to put it, you got to recognize where it's coming from. And then what I do is I ask, I ask God to please forgive me. God, please forgive me for jealousy. Come on, God. I, that's so not pleasing. It's not pleasing to you, Father. And it's not pleasing to me either. I'm not, I'm not having fun mowing my lawn thinking jealous thoughts. So, Lord, yeah, this is, neither one of us are liking this right now, God. Right? So then I flip that and I say, okay, God, I want you to bless my friend. And I start praying for him. And I just ask for God to bless his ministry. I pray that he becomes a best-selling author. I pray that you use him in power and might. I pray, God, you just mark him and you bless him good. And then 
every time, and I kid you not, I'm, I'm not making this up, every time that those thoughts arise, that's the process that I walk through. And sometimes it happens multiple times while I'm mowing my lawn or driving my car or taking a shower because it happens at crazy times, doesn't it? Always. And you just you go through the process over and over and over again until that bad boy dies once and for all. That's what Paul's talking about. I'm dead. The old me is dead. And now I recognize where these things come from. Does this make sense? And he says, that happened when I got baptized. My baptism, the old me was buried with Christ in baptism, dead and buried. And now I've risen again to a whole new life. It's the Christ life at work in me. Amen? That's what that is. So you see, I can't physically go back 2,000 years and die with Christ on the cross and then rise again with him on the third day. That's not possible, but Jesus gave me this wonderful thing called baptism as a way to identify with him in that. It's like my son did several years ago. My son had a good friend who was battling cancer in college. And so he and a bunch of his other friends, you know, they all, you know what they did? They shaved their heads, right? Because that's what people do sometimes, you know? They shave their heads to identify with their friend who had lost her hair in cancer treatment. And that's cool. They didn't have cancer, but they identified with her through it. You know, baptism, I don't physically die on the cross, but I identify identify with Jesus by going under the water. I connect myself to Jesus by going under the water and rising again to a new life. Does this make sense? So baptism is kind of like that. And Paul says the secret to an abundant and overflowing life free from the power of sin is this. Is this. This is who you are. I am crucified with Christ. I am. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And I would encourage you, friend, every time you're tempted to sin, every time, remind yourself of that. I'm a dead man, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is a new life I'm living right now. So you know what? I pin my hands symbolically. I pin my hands with Christ to the cross so that now they don't do as they would want to do. They do what God wants them to do. I pin my feet to the cross with Jesus so that they don't go wherever they want to go. They go where God wants them to go. I allow my brow to be pierced in the same way that Christ's brow was pierced so that my thoughts don't just run wild however they've been used to running, but they're now tamed. They're, they're, they're directed by the Holy Spirit. They're His thoughts, not mine. You see, one with Christ on the cross. In a sense, the cross is my marriage bed with Christ. It's where my soul becomes one with His soul where my hands become one with his hands and my feet with his feet and his destiny becomes my destiny and where he goes, I'll go and where he lives, I'll live and Jesus, your people are going to become my people and we are forever bound together and I can't demonstrate my love for Jesus by being physically nailed to a cross so Jesus has given me this gift called baptism 
to identify with. That's why it's such an important event in the life of a Christian. That's why it's so huge. And that's what baptism means. And that's what we witnessed this morning. And uh, I'm excited for those who are going to be making this commitment today. Um, I'm just going to invite, uh, going to have our elder, one of our elders, Glenn. He's going to come. He's going to read their testimonies for us as I introduce them. We're trying something a little bit different, hoping this way you can hear them better. You want to grab that microphone. And um, we can raise the screen. And uh, our first... Yeah, thank you.